It's always beautiful to hear your prayers as we hear those responses in the prayer. And I thank you for praying along. As we come into this week, we're looking ahead at the 4th of July. It'll probably be more prominent on Sunday next week as, as it's a little closer to that time. But in this time, <clears throat> excuse me, as we look at the 4th, all the ideas of freedom starts to come back to our mind. So when we see words like this, freedom and bound, it, it seems like a contradiction. It seems like these words should not go together in a statement. It seems like these words are opposite from one another. It's an interesting thing as we think about freedom. As we hear Paul write to the churches in Galatia about freedom. It's an interesting statistic I came across the other day as you look at folks that have been incarcerated. Within about three years, just about 40% of them are arrested again. Within about five years, it's about 60%. And within nine years, about 90% of those who have been incarcerated, who have spent time in jail, are arrested again for some deed, something that was unlawful. And out of all of those that are arrested again, 50% of them happen in the first year. Once bound then free, but what do they do with the freedom? As we think of that idea of somebody who was bound by something but then set free and turning back to that binding, turning back to that thing that they did before that they were set free from, think of these churches in Galatia as Paul's writing. See, Paul had started some churches in this area of Asia, okay, just east of where Rome is at. There's five or six churches that were over there. He and Barnabas on their first missionary journey had gone through this area preaching the gospel of Jesus, preaching freedom in Jesus. And during that trip, different churches took that word in a couple of different ways. We hear of the churches at Corinth, right, that had delved into every fleshly thing, every lustful thing, and when Paul wrote to them, he was calling them out of that and saying, hey, remember who you are in Christ, because Christ has set you free, but not free to go do whatever you want and turn your back on Christ. Yet in the beginning of that letter to the church in Corinth, he still not admonishes, but just overflows with thankfulness for them and, and how much God has done through their church and huge words of praise. And if you're to read the intro to the letter to the churches of Galatia, it's a different feel. See, because he was calling them out on something slightly different. They were not using their freedom towards licentiousness and license to do whatever they wanted, but they were using their freedom towards self-righteousness. See, somebody else had come in after Paul had talked, after Paul had preached, after Paul and Barnabas had set out this beautiful gospel of Jesus within the lives of these Gentiles and set them apart for something else. And the few folks came in and said, that's fine, but Paul isn't as close to the real apostles. Paul isn't as close to everything that's going on. You need to become a Jew first. You need to do everything that the Jews do. You need to follow the days and the seasons and the festivals. You need to follow the practices of what all of the Jews since Abraham have done. And you need to walk that line before you could be considered a child of God. And many did. See, they were using that freedom and moving back 
towards this idea of walking and following the law perfectly. So Paul writes to them, and as he sets out in the beginning of his letter, and he says, here I am as an apostle that I preached to you the first time, and you all received me in all of my trials, and you received me so graciously. And then here, instead of saying a huge thanks and praise, he says, I'm astonished at how fast you've walked away from the gospel. I'm astonished at how fast you have turned your back on this gracious freedom. I'm astonished that you've turned back towards something that wasn't even yours to begin with, but think that you have to follow along in something to make yourself a child of God. And so from the chapters on from there, he starts to talk about Abraham and Sarah and the children of the flesh and the children of promise between uh, Ishmael and Isaac, and he continually points them back to Christ. And then we get the words of our text. For freedom, Christ has set you free. And in an American mindset, we love that text. We love those words, and we want to stop right there and hold on to that. We want to say, yes, God has set me free to go do whatever I want. He set me free to be independent. He set me free. Now I can just live in that and uh, go do whatever kind of pleases my heart. See, we, we mix up a few different things, especially on this week when we look at this day of celebration of a fight for independence. And I think that's where we start to mix things up a little bit. Independence and freedom are not the same thing. See, we fought for independence. Bravely, dutifully, to be independent from tyranny, to be independent from a rule that was overpowering things, to be independent from that, to live as people on our own in a country, to live with freedom in independence. But see, the thing about freedom is that you're set free from something for something. So what do we set free See, in our sin, apart from God, we're bound. We're bound by the desires that want to point us towards that sin. We're bound by the desires that are self-indulgent, whether that is through license to do whatever we want or self-righteousness to say, hey, look at me at how holy I'm living. Either one of those is bound because it's binding our eyes, our heart, our things away from where God has called us in freedom in Christ. But for freedom, Christ has set you free. And Paul follows that up with, now. Don't let that freedom be an opportunity for the flesh. That word opportunity was a military term. It was, don't let that freedom be a beachhead for invasion for the flesh. A point of attack. A foothold. He says, don't let it be that. But be concerned with this one thing. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Serve one another. 
See, the church at Galatia had been looking at that checklist of holiness, of things they uh, had heard of from the people that were coming in, and they were looking at this checklist, and they started to have divisions within their churches, and they were saying, look at how holy our church is versus look how holy this church is. And even within the one church, they're saying, look, you're not holding up to this standard, and you're not holding up to this standard. And they're all of a sudden focused completely away from Christ. And Paul says, I'm astonished at what you're doing with this freedom. You're fighting for an independence to work on things all on your own as opposed to saying I'm fully bound and dependent upon what Christ has done for me. See, our freedom is bound. Our freedom is bound, but it's not bound in duty. It's not bound in what you have to do. It's not bound in how you have to work. It's not bound in how you have to live in order to earn God's merit. It's bound in what Christ has done for you, and it's bound in God's love. See, Christ has set us free, but he hasn't set us free from God. He has set us free from the wrath of God. He has set us free from the worry of what our sin brings before God because he has set us free for us to look at him and say, thank you. Thank you for claiming me as your child. Thank you for making me your child. Thank you for making me your child before God so that when I look at God, I can understand his majesty and his power and his awesomeness, but I can stand there and say, Christ has made me yours. To hear that still small whisper, to know God's voice, to stand before him without worry about where I am before him, to be able to say, God, you have loved me fully in Christ, and God has loved you fully in Christ so that you do not have to walk trying to figure out some checklist to earn his merit anymore, but you can stand before him free of the worry of his wrath, knowing that he has loved you utterly and completely. So now what? Now we get to be concerned with that one thing. Bound in God's love, we get to look out. And we get to see where others need love. And we don't have to love them so that God will see us, but we get to love them because God has loved us. And as we live in God's love, bound in that grace, bound in that mercy, bound by the wounds in the life of Christ, we get to look out with a smile on our face and say, I can see that you need God's love. See, Paul works through this whole long checklist of the sins of the flesh, and he's pointing them out to all of the churches of Galatia. He's saying, look at all of these different things. And he even ends it with, and other things like these. So he doesn't even let the list stop there. But then he talks about the one multifaceted fruit of the Spirit. As we look out throughout our lives, as we look out for those who are our neighbors within our living room and within the marketplace and within everywhere else, as we look out from where we are, we see where God has loved us fully and completely in Christ so that we can hand over that fruit of the Spirit. As the Spirit wa- works within our lives, as the Spirit works through our voices and our hands and our feet and our minds to say, look, those folks all around you need this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all these things, Paul says, there is no law against, hand them out freely. And so we live in that life, not bound by what we have to do 
but bound by God's love and mercy poured out for us in Jesus. And as he has poured out that love amongst you and in your life, you then get to look out around you and be concerned with that one thing, love your neighbor. Not because you have to, but because God is loving you. Has loving you? That doesn't make sense. Because God has loved you and continues to love you. And every day we look at that love and we say, my goodness, I don't deserve that love. And you're right. But Christ did. And he hands it over to you as a free gift. He says, I know you feel like you don't deserve that love. But it's there. And it's yours. Because of all that he has done for you. And so now we live free of the worry, not independent from God, but fully dependent upon God, bound in all that he has given us so that we can care for all those who are around us. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy that you have bound us in. But bound not in duty, but bound in love. So that we're free from the worry of condemnation and wrath and we look up with hopeful hearts trusting in the promise that you have given trusting in the promise that christ has died and lived for us trusting in the promise of faith trusting in the promise of eternal life we pray that you give us strength and courage to trust in that promise so that all those who you bring into our lives would see your love and the freedom that you bring in jesus so that we could hand it over freely, so that all would know of your good and gracious love for your creation. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you please rise?